a smartphone and you wanted to go ahead and use that as an uh, auxiliary device today in our, in our study, open the, the little brown Bible icon, which is the, uh, uh, what is that, Version Bible app. Open that. And the lower right-hand corner, matter of fact, here's the instructions for doing that. How about this? And right, there we go. Lower right-hand corner and uh, press more. And then uh, tap events, halfway down is events, and then tap the Casa View Assembly of God. It'll be the second uh, church that's listed there. And all of the information will be available today on your smartphone. It'll be there for about a week, and then uh, they clear it out for next week's uh, message. Amen. Very good. Go ahead and in your bulletin pull out today's study guide. And uh, we're talking about getting ready for Advent. Getting ready for Advent. Follow along with us. And you can fill in the blanks. If you are worshiping with us today and you're a guest, uh, we welcome you to Cassaview Assembly of God. I'm always supposed to do that earlier in the service. Always forget. And, uh, but drop by the Welcome Center. In the, there's a connection card as part of your bulletin. If you'll tear that off and complete it and turn it into the Welcome Center, we would love to have a record of your being with us. We have a gift for those who are our guests today, and you pick that up at the Welcome Center. Amen. The title for today's message is Getting Ready for Advent. You say, well, I don't even know what Advent is, Pastor. Uh, well, I'll tell you about it in just a minute, but we're going to be talking about hope today. Before we get into our study, I like to connect with you, and I do that many times by humor. Someone said that the shortest distance between two people is laughter. And so you can have two people of totally different cultures, but you can connect with them if there's something humorous. And it it spans the, the gap between all cultures, between all languages, humor. And so for that reason and other reasons, I like to get your attention with a little bit of humor. I heard about a lady who had gone Christmas shopping... And she had inadvertently left her purse in a particular place while she was shopping and, and uh, got home without her purse. And she wrote, oh man, what am I going to do? And, and she called and, and, uh, and there, fortunately there was a, a Royal Ranger. Amen, Billy, a Royal Ranger, an honest little boy that had been taught in his church to be honest and to not steal and so forth. And so he found the purse, found her name or number. In some way, they connected up, and, and he brought the purse to this lady. She was so relieved. And immediately, she opens her purse and looks for what should be there. And she said, hmm, that's funny. When I lost the bag, there was a $20 bill in it. But now, there are $21 bills And the little boy quickly replied, that's right, lady. The last time I found a lady's purse, she didn't have any change for a reward. (laughs) Amen. Here was a boy that was hopeful. Hopeful. Amen. And helpful, no doubt. Amen. Well, Thanksgiving has come and gone. And in case you hadn't noticed it, to open your eyes, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas around here. Amen. And we're all getting ready for Christmas. Ready or not, it's going to be upon us in about three short weeks from tomorrow. It'll be here. And uh, this week, uh, many of you have been decorating your own homes. If you haven't, it's time to start. Amen. I got the notice about a week or two ago from my neighborhood association that said... 
you know, yesterday was a due date to have my lights out in the, in the yard. And uh, I was really appreciative of that each year. And, uh, but we have a granddaughter now, and uh, with Marcia, uh, you know, one year we got by without decorating. I don't remember what year it was, but I, I remember that. And I think the kids had moved out or something, and, and we were busy, and we didn't do much decorating that year. But uh, that's the only year I got a reprieve. I've been up and down those stairs and to pull down, at, you know, stairs in the garage so many times. My legs are still sore from that. And uh, I've gotten boxes down from things I hadn't seen in a, in a while. And, and uh, then I had to assemble that fake tree, you know, and put it all in the lights. And, and had, then I had to go to the store and buy some more lights, you know, and all that. And uh, so it's, it's really been a burden for your pastor. And, um, but I do that because I'm married to Marcia. Amen. That's why. And then uh, Elaine Howard has been busy this week. She has decorated the uh, fellowship hall. She's teaching a class right now, but she was involved in decorating that. And and uh, Debbie and Robert showed up on Monday and spent all day long until in the evening hours decorating our church as they always do. And we are so appreciative of their ministry, even though they've moved about an hour and a half east of town here. And they're involved in a local church there in Quitman, Texas. But they still call this their church home. And they still call me their pastor. At least they're not too mad at me yet. And uh, I get cranky when, I'm, when you work with me. I'm I just, you know. And so I had to apologize to them for being cranky. Amen. It's hard to believe that I would ever be cranky. But I, that's just the way I get sometimes. Because uh, I want it done this quick, quick. Everything's quick. Let's do it quick, you know. And uh, so, uh, moving right along, my confessions of Christmas. Uh, Sue Baxter and Keith, is rehe- they're rehearsing even now. We have the children's program next Sunday. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be powerful. But the point is, is that Thanksgiving's over. And now all these things have begun, and it, it's somewhat of a labor. And ready or not, in, in uh, uh, let's see, today's the third, so... Uh, Get out your, your mathematician, 25 minus 3. How about 22 more days? Christmas is going to be here. And so we're talking today about getting ready for Advent, the Advent of hope. You say, well, Pastor Marcus, what, what are you talking about getting ready for Advent? On your outline, look with me, if you will, for a moment. The word Advent actually comes from a Latin word. A very similar sounding word is the word is Adventus, Adventus. And it literally means to appear, to appear. So when we talk about the advent of Christmas, we're talking about the appearing of the Messiah. The appearing of the Messiah. So Christmas really is all about the advent or the appearing of the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is all about. The advent of Christ, the Messiah. And so advent for us is to reflect about Upon the anticipation of a Messiah that was fulfilled at the first Christmas. The very first coming of Christ. But also to remember what we have to look forward to. And that is the second advent. The second appearing of Christ. Are you looking forward to the second appearing of Christ? Oh, absolutely. Amen. Amen. So we're not preparing for the first advent because the first Christmas happened a long time ago. It's already come and gone. But what we are anticipating is the day of Christ's second advent. 
The second appearing of the Lord, which could come at any moment. We are living on the very edge of the precipice of the fullness of time when the Father will tell the Son, Now it's time, Son, go get my children, bring them home. Amen. The second coming of the Lord. The Bible refers to this second advent as a blessed or blessed hope. The blessed hope, the blessed hope. And the scripture is found in Titus chapter 2. And it says in chapter 2 verse 13, while we wait, that's what we're doing, we're waiting for the what? Blessed hope, blessed hope. The, what is it? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, praise God. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for the blessed hope. The blessed hope. Do you realize that one of the greatest gifts that the advent of His presence, the appearing of His presence, gives us at Christmas is hope. Hope. Hope is one of the greatest gifts that God has given to mankind. Someone has said that Christmas is really not about getting presents. You say, oh, pastor, come on, give me a break. (laughs) I mean, that's what I'm doing. I'm shopping for presents. No, Christmas is about His presence. His presence. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. That's what the real meaning of Christmas is all about. The tree and the presents and all this other stuff, that's a sideshow. That's not the main event. The main event is Jesus. Jesus. He's the reason for the season. Christmas makes it possible for God's presence to fill our hearts and fill our lives. And with His presence, you don't have to worry about anything. Everything you have will be supplied. You may have had a tough year. And somebody said, Pastor, I've had a tough decade. I've had a tough century. I hear that. You may have lost a relationship. A loved one may have gone on to glory. You may have suffered a broken relationship of a child or to spouse or whatever it may have been. You may have experienced the loss of your employment, your vocation, maybe even your health. Oh, Lord. Amen. And the hearing is going. I mean, at least that's what she tells me. And the vision is not what it used to be. And on, you just name it and it hurts. Amen. Everything of value that you value may have been taken away from you. But regardless of where, what the circumstance is, regardless of how, where, what it is you're going through, you can have joy and sing for joy this Advent season, this Christmas, because of the hope that has been deposited by God in your hearts. Because that hope can never be taken away. It can never be taken away. Why? Because... That hope is embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. He is our Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is with you, and because of that, you have hope. Praise God. Now, we're going to take a few moments, and we're going to unwrap the gift of hope. And there are four things that I want to share with you today about the meaning of hope, and I get that from our text in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I'm going to start reading at verse 12, and we're going to get to verse 13, which is our text. And in verse 12 it says, and again, Isaiah says, he's quoting, Paul is quoting from Isaiah in the Old Testament. 
And he, he, he gives a messianic prophecy. And he says, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse. Now, who is Jesse? Jesse's dad was Boaz. And Boaz had a son named Jesse. And Jesse's son is the one that you well know. He killed a giant with a slingshot. What was his name? David, that's right. So from the root or offspring of Jesse will spring up one. Who's he talking about? The one. He's talking about Jesus, the Messiah, who will arise to rule over the nations. And all peoples, even the Gentiles, will hope. Isn't that interesting? Hope in him. There's going to be hope. Hope is going to come. Because of this messianic prophecy of the one that is going to come to rule over nations. Now here's our text. And from this text, we're going to unpack four powerful truths about the gift of hope. And notice what it says. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. So that you may overflow with what? Hope. By how? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Now, there are four things I want to unpack from this verse. The first one is that God's gift of hope is something God originated. It is heaven sent or sent from heaven. He is the God of hope. He has sent hope to us. And so real hope is not of this world. Hello? It's from another world. Amen. Real hope is a hope that will never disappoint you. And it can never be taken away from you because it didn't originate here. Hello? It originated from heaven down to us. And that hope is embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. Praise God. So real hope is a gift. It is a gift from God. God the Father. Amen. And real hope has a name. And the name of that hope is Jesus Christ, our Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is our hope. Now, in the prior verse of our text, the Message Bible, verse 12, uh, uses this phrase, In Isaiah's word, there's a root of our ancestor Jesse breaking through the earth and growing tree tall, tall enough for everyone everywhere to see and take hope. I like the message paraphrase of that. What's Isaiah talking about? Again, it's a messianic prophecy of the promise of the Messiah that's going to come. And God delivered on that promise 2,000 years ago in a little town called Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph, Mary brought forth the promised child. Amen. And that babe was born in a manger. You know the story. Our hope was sent from heaven. Jesus came for a purpose, and that purpose was to bring us hope, overwhelming hope. There's an old hymn of the church in your hymnal. We're not going to take the time to pull out your hymnal, but there's a phrase in there that acknowledges our one true hope found only in Jesus Christ. And the phrase in that verse says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, 
but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Do you know what song that is? On Christ, join me, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Wow, you sing good. Praise God. And in the middle of that hymn is a great truth. And that truth is, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Oh, praise God. So hope is heaven sent. The problem is there's a condition. It's sent from heaven, but that doesn't mean everybody got it. Hello? And here's the condition. Hope must be received. It must be personally received. I can say, hey, I've got a wonderful present under this tree for you. And here it is. You can say, oh, that's a wonderful present. That looks good. That's great. And just leave it there on the shelf. And it's as if you've had no, that will not benefit you one, one iota. Because you never received that gift. You never opened that gift. You never unwrapped that gift. And it's the same way with hope. Our Father has sent to this earth the greatest hope that mankind could ever have embodied in Jesus Christ. But if we don't receive that hope, we don't believe in that hope, we don't let, it, let Him into our life and let Him change our lives, amen, well, it's as though it's of no effect for us. And so the condition to, to have hope is that you have to personally receive hope, amen. What's interesting is the words of the hymn we just sang a couple of moments ago. Notice it says, it does not say, our hope is built. You know what it says? My hope. Why does it say my? I believe that it's, it's the real, real truth. The truth is, I personally have to receive in order to benefit from the hope of Jesus Christ in my life. It's something that must be personally received. Until you and I choose to accept God's gift of hope found only through His Son, then we will continue to live this life in this world without hope. Without hope. The Christmas carol, Old Town, Old Little Town of Bethlehem. Remember that one, Old Little Town of Bethlehem? I'm not going to ask you to sing it, but there is a verse in verse 1 that simply says, Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. You know I could sing that good, did you? Amen. Amen. No, 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 believe me. I'm staying with this. Hey, I was shocked myself I hit that note. Praise God. Here it is. Yet thy dark street shineth. We live in a dark world. But the hopes and fears of all the years are met where? In Christ. We sing a song around here quite frequently. In Christ alone I place my what? Trust. And, and, and really, that's the answer. 
all the hopes that we have, all the dreams that we have, all even our fears, the answer to all of those is in Christ and Christ alone. Praise God. He is the embodiment of hope. Someone has said that life without Christ is a hopeless end. But the opposite of that I love. But a life with Christ is an endless hope. Praise God. An endless hope. Hopelessness is such a horrible feeling. There are a lot of people today who are living in utter despair. The people who are living in Ukraine have been bombarded and continue to be bombarded by these invaders from Russia and mercenaries that Putin has brought in. And to see the news pictures, you know, the the feeds from the news media, uh, you can see just hopelessness upon their face. The people who have been attacked by the terrorists in Israel, it was horrible. And thousands of people were were impacted by that that terrorist and and now the people in Gaza they're getting the the brunt of the of the reprisal and and all because of an ideology of of uh, that goes back to Abraham's descendants it's a horrible thing and uh, it, but the hopelessness the despair i got a word this week a text message from Melissa Caps you know little Melissa uh, the missionary that we sent to Myanmar and she's saying pastor pray they're shooting all around us. They're, they're, they're shooting rockets and that we can see the artillery going to the, you know, it's just, it's just communism trying to spread and take over in, in this third world country. And, and she's right in the middle of all that. We're praying for her protection. Hopelessness. People without Christ are in utter hopelessness. The question is, well, what, what does it mean to have hope, Pastor? You're talking about hope and, and being hopeless and utter despair and all this. And, and uh, one of the main messages of Christmas is hope. And you're talking about it today, but what does it mean? Well, the world has its definition of hope. But let me tell you, there is God's definition of hope that I'm really interested in. Because they are totally different from one another. They're similar, but they're different. Let's talk about the world's definition for just a moment. The world defines hope. I am hopeful, in other words, I'm hopeful of a feeling. I have a feeling that I am hopeful that something is about, something that I want is about to happen. Or I, I have a desire for something to happen and I am hopeful that it will happen. And how many you know if just because you have a feeling of hopefulness that something is going to happen, just having that feeling doesn't guarantee that it's going to happen. Amen. It's as if a girl says, well, I hope my boyfriend will give me a ring, hello, this Christmas. Amen. Now, don't look around at anybody. Amen. Praise God. Does the fact that she is hopeful guarantee that he will give her a ring? No. Now, if a man says, I hope my local football team makes it to the Super Bowl this year. Hello, we've been hoping that for a long time, about 28 years now. And uh, does that feeling of hopefulness guarantee that the Cowboys are going to make it to the Super Bowl? 
No, it does not. Now, the world's definition embodies that concept of something you want to happen that hasn't happened yet. But there's also this other aspect of the world's definition that embodies desire. You are hopeful of an expectation. And if a girl says, well, I hope that he will ask me out on a date. Well, her desire does not guarantee that he will do so. If someone says, well, I hope that my grandmother or my grandfather will get over this pneumonia or this cancer or this illness, I hope, and we're praying and we hope that that happens, but that's no guarantee. Just you feel and you desire for that to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen. A person may say, well, I hope I get that job. Well, I hope you do too. But just because you hope you do and I hope you do doesn't, necessarily mean it's going to happen desire alone having a feeling of hopefulness will not guarantee the answer to your expectation in contrast to the world's definition we have something called the bible hello some of you hadn't seen that in a while here it is what it looks like amen And uh, the Bible has many passages of Scripture to give us insight as to what biblical hope is really all about. And although there is not one particular concise verse that stands out above others, there are several passages that clearly we could paraphrase what hope is all about. And Scripture basically defines hope as an expectation that we would have, not based upon your feeling. Hello? You know what's based upon? The promises of God. The promises of God. That's the difference between the world's concept of hope and the Bible or God's concept of hope. We have a much firmer foundation to receive what we hope for than the world does. Because our foundation is based upon the character of God Himself and the promises of God. Amen. Now here's, there are many passages that would illustrate this. Here's one from Romans chapter 4. Even when... There was no reason for hope. Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham, Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. Oh my. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promises. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that what God is able to do, or God is able to do whatever he promises. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Now, friends, that's hope. That is hope. I want you to know that you can rest... On the promises of God. You can, you cannot break the promises of God by leaning upon the promises of God. Amen. There's an old hymn of the church that we sing 
from time to time, standing on the promises of God. Remember that old hymn? Standing on the promises of God. And there's a line in that, that song that says, Standing on the promises that cannot fail. They cannot fail. Though the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. I want you to know today, God's hope is enduring. God's hope is everlasting. God's hope cannot be frustrated. God's hope will never end. God's hope is eternal. Amen. You can take it to the bank. You can trust in God's hope. And so we learn that in the Christmas story itself. Just after the birth of Christ, his parents took him from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, which was the law on a certain day, I think around the eighth day, there was something called circumcision that was involved. There was something that was called a, a purification. And they brought this little baby, about eight days old, to the temple in Jerusalem. And there were two devout people who had been waiting in hope all their lives to see the answer, the fulfillment of, of the, their desires to see the Savior, the Christ born. And the Holy Spirit made sure that both of these people were in the temple that day. One of them was a man named Simeon, and the other was Anna. Simeon had received a word from the Holy Spirit that he would not see death in his own life. He would not die until he had seen the Christ. And so he was there that day, and Anna was the other one. Anna was a prophetess, or a prophet herself. She was up in years. She was in the temple that day. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. And she, Scripture says, she was very old. Her husband had died when they had only been married about seven years. And she had lived as a widow to the age of 84. Now, some of you may be approaching 84. Some of you may be north of 84. I know some that are watching live stream. You saw 84 in your rearview mirror several years ago. Amen. But here's the point. Anna never left the temple. She stayed there day and night, worshiping God, fasting and prayer. And she came along, it just so happened, she came along at just the same time that Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. And she, the moment she saw Jesus, she began to praise God. And she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to send a Redeemer to Jerusalem. God would send someone to rescue Jerusalem. Because she knew it was witnessed by the Holy Spirit within her that the fulfillment of all she had hoped for, she had waited patiently, she had an enduring hope all of these years, and now it was being fulfilled. Praise God. Simeon, likewise, when he came to the temple, he was led by the Spirit of God into the temple. The Holy Spirit led him go to the temple. I don't know how the Holy Spirit did, but he did it. And so he went there, and when he arrived, the parents of Jesus brought the child Jesus to him to do for him according to the custom of the law. And he took him in his arms, and he blessed God, and here's what he said. Lord, now... You're letting your servant depart in peace. Now I can go on. I can die now according to your word you gave me. For mine eyes have seen your salvation. Oh, praise God. Which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. A light to bring revelation to 
the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon's hope was in the word that he had received from the Lord. And the Bible says, he tell, the Bible tells us, we too have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Both sure and steadfast which enters into the presence behind the veil. We have this anchor of hope. Well, our hope and our anchor is in Christ and Christ alone. That's the anchor of our soul. So my question is, friends, where is your hope today? Is your hope in Christ? Is your hope in the promises of God? In the character of God? There's a lot of people who have hope in all kinds of things. Some have hope in their money markets and, and their retirement plans and, and in their job or in a relationship or in their insurance plan. Let me tell you, there's a better place to put your hope than in all those other things. I choose to put my hope in the promises of God. The Apostle Paul describes in Ephesians chapter 2 the contrast between an unbeliever and a believer. And he mentions the fact that one is in despair and utter hopelessness. Notice what he says in Ephesians 2, 12 and 13. Remember that at that time, what is he talking about? Before you came to Christ, when you were an unbeliever. Remember, at that time you were separated from Christ. Excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenant of promise. And notice what he says, without hope and without God in the world. That's the picture of an unbeliever. Without hope, without Christ, separated from God, and you're in the world. But when you come to Christ, I love those first two words in verse 13, but now. Oh, praise God for but now. Amen. But now in Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ? Oh, how are you thankful you've been brought near? You're no longer without hope, amen, as the former without hope, without God. Now you have God and you have hope. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. You abound in hope. So don't be deceived, friends. Apart from Christ, you have no hope. But thank God, hope has been sent to us from heaven above. It is heaven sent. Jesus came willingly to be birthed, yes, but He didn't come just to be birthed. He came to go to an old rugged cross to die so that we, our sins would be forgiven and that we would have heaven sent hope. Secondly, not only has the gift of God been heaven sent, but secondly, it is also God's gift of hope is overflowing hope. Overflowing hope. Here's our text again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. Now notice this phrase. So that you may overflow with hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. The King James uses the word abound. So that you may abound in hope. Friends, God doesn't give us empty hope. No. Our hope overflows. It abounds. The supply of hope is not going to run out. Hello. The supply of hope is not going to diminish. Or come up short. Heaven sent hope is always much more than enough. 
in Romans, our text in Romans, uh, again, fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust Him, so you may overflow with hope. The Message Bible says God will fill us so full we will brim over with hope. <laughs> That's a beautiful picture. The psalmist writes in Psalms 130 verse 7, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. Amen. His salvation overflows. His deliverance overflows. Praise God. Aren't you thankful that it isn't just enough to squeak by and get into heaven? There is an overflowing abundance of grace. Grace greater than all of your sins. Praise God. The overflow of God's hope is amazing. Friends, let God pour this hope into your life. When you believe in Him, don't. God won't just give you enough to get by. God won't leave you wanting more. In that sense of His supply, He will cause hope to overflow within your life. Simon Peter uses a different term in the New Testament to describe this overflow of hope. He calls it a living hope. A living hope. In 1 Peter, his letter to the church, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Simon Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Well, my question is, what's that about? A living hope. What does that look like? Well, I know what dead looks like, but what does living look like? Well, I'm not a biologist or a scientist, but there are some elementary things that, that I've observed when we talk about anything that's alive, any person that's alive. One of the things that I understand is that you have to have respiration if you're going to have life, and you need to have growth, grow in maturity. If it's, if it's going to be life, it's not going to just be dormant. And then there's this aspect of reproduction that's part of life. And these are just three of the simple things that I have observed. And I'm sure there's many others as well. But I think we could apply these to this spiritual principle, basic biology, to our understanding of what it means to have a living hope. First of all, a living hope will give you energy for living. Hello. <laughs> if it's alive, you will be alive. Amen. Because it is empowered not by the Energizer Bunny. It is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God in you. And that Spirit of God gives you a dynamic energy that is not man-made or, or self-derived, but it is a spirit energy from God to live your life fully for Him. Amen. You could say it's the respiration of life, the breath of the Spirit of God in you. And quite honestly, without hope, we would be spiritually in a mess. We'd be spiritually dead, incapable of doing anything to get to heaven on our own. And so a living hope will not only produce energy for living your daily life, but it will also clear away those things that are not beneficial for your life. Hope energizes our faith and it removes bitterness, hello. It removes depression. 
It removes envy and it helps to remove anger or anything left over from our old way of living. And so an old, our living hope gives us energy, but also a living hope helps us to grow and not just stay stagnant and stay dormant in our lives, but it makes us stronger. It does not deny reality or difficult circumstances. Hope is not blind hope. God causes hope to grow within you to overcome any adversity, any challenge that comes your way. And thirdly, a living hope can be reproduced in the lives of others. Real hope is not something that's manufactured and sold from a store shelf down at Target or somewhere like that, Walmart. Hope is born in others as they are filled with the life and power and presence of the Holy Spirit in us. Hope is a lot like the flu. Really? Not that it makes you sick, but that it's contagious. If you get the flu virus, then stay away from me. Hello? Stay away from others. You need to isolate yourself. Why? Because it's highly contagious. Guess what hope is? Hope is highly contagious. Amen. And it will spread to others. Why? Because you're hopeful it just overflows out of you. Oh, praise God. It's abundant. It can't be contained. It's not limited in supply. It overflows from our lives. And when they see the joy of the Lord on your life, they can't help but be impacted by it because it overflows into their lives. Amen. So hope is heaven sent. Hope overflows. It's an overflowing hope. Thirdly, God's gift of hope brings us Peace. Oh, hallelujah. Can't we use that? Amen. Joy and peace. Our text says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when God gives us hope, He literally is giving us Himself because the passage says... It is the God, notice I'll go back, may the God of hope. And so what he's saying is, he's giving himself because it comes from the God of hope himself. He's giving himself to us. Our hope is not in vain. It's not empty hope. Our hope is in the absolute confidence. It is an assurance of who God is. Our hope gives us peace. Perfect peace because our hope is in God who will never let you down. Aren't you thankful God will never let you down? Praise God. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us to hold tightly to hope. In one version it says, let us hold tightly. In in the NIV it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Unswervingly. Hold tightly to the hope we profess. Why? For he who promised is faithful. He is faithful. You can trust Him. He is trustworthy. He will not let you down. He will not disappoint you. So don't lose your hope. Don't lose your grip on hope. God will meet you at your point of need. And hope will bring to you peace. Perfect peace because you're trusting not in yourself, you're trusting in God. I love this passage from Isaiah 26. The King James Version says... Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, 
whose mind is stayed on thee, for he trusteth in thee. NIV says, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast, because he trusts in you. Amen. When you think back to our living hope, hope is alive not only because it energizes, but because hope will cleanse and hope will eliminate uh, impurities and waste from our thinking. Well, how do we keep our minds steadfast? How do we keep our minds stayed upon the Lord? Do we deny that we have problems? No. Do we just live a fairy tale life and hope that it will some way work out, that we'll live a happy ever after life? No. Hope transforms our way of thinking, our attitudes and thinking. Hope doesn't leave us as we are. Hope makes us new. It gives us peace. Amen. Now the fourth thing I want to mention as I bring this message toward a close. Is that God's gift of hope also helps you to endure to the end. Our text says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, hope is not something that you and I conjure up on our own. Rather, it is God who is the one that gives us hope by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Hopeful endurance is not something that I have to conjure and develop on my own. God will place that there. Hopeful endurance is the power of God at work in you, in your life. Now, in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. say, well, why would you put that in there, Pastor? Well, this is the process of how hope gets strong in our lives. We are going to go through trials and tests. It's a fact. And you don't have to look very far around this room and you'll find somebody who's going through struggle of some type or another. We, how do we respond to that? We are to rejoice in our sufferings, in our trials, in our tests. Well, why do we need to do that? Well, because... We know that suffering, the trial, the test, produces endurance, perseverance, patience with God. We keep trusting in God. We haven't given up on God, even though we're going through stuff. And perseverance will develop our character, and character will produce hope. The process of developing hope comes By how you handle adversity. And the way that we are to handle adversity is to rejoice in the Lord. You say, well, how in the world could anyone rejoice when they're going through junk? Amen. Well, put your faith in God. Don't put it in stuff. Amen. And uh, uh, I'll unpack that in a moment. Hope does not... Disappoint us, verse 5, because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. And so you go through stuff and you continue to have faith, you continue to trust God, and there's development of character and it produces hope, and hope will not disappoint you. 
You'll not be disappointed. And it will not disappear. This hope will not disappear. It's not a switch that dims in time. Hope helps us look beyond our present situation and realize that this is temporary. What I'm going through shall come to pass. It did not come to stay. It came to pass. But I'm looking forward to another time that shall come to stay. Amen. An eternity time. And so hope lets you get your eyes off of the stuff of here and lets you get your eyes on the reality of what you have to look for expectantly. Praise God. Amen. It will not disappear. Amen. Many times there are people, it seems like they have nothing to hope for as they look through their circumstances, the lens of their life. They may have lost loved ones, lost a mate. They may have lost their health, even to the point that they can no longer come to church. They would love to be at church, but they can't come to church any longer because of their health, because of their hearing or their sight or, or their mobility, whatever it may be. And it's, it's hard for them. I understand. I reach out to them in compassion. I'm so thankful we have the technology that we have now, that we can live stream and touch people. And, and it's not the same as being here, but yet it, it's still good that you can still hear the word. But there are people, if you will, that have nothing to... Nothing but hope to live for. Nothing but hope. Everything else has been taken away. They've lost everything else and it seems to be a diminishing prospect for them. And they're just waiting for that which they hope for. I've got a word for you. You can never outlive hope. You can never outlive hope. Hope will never disappear regardless of your age, regardless of your circumstance. Hope does not disappear. Not only that, but hope will not disappoint. There are so many disappointments in life. If you put your hope in people, (laughs) you're going to be disappointed. Life will sometimes bring hopelessness to you. The Apostle Paul shared an encouraging verse that undergirds this truth in chapter 5 of Romans. He says, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. There was a song several years ago, and I'm winding my message down now. And the words of this song I heard states it well. It says, He did not bring us this far to leave us. He didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. He didn't build His home in us to move away from us. He didn't lift us up to let us down. Amen. Amen. Finally, hope actually gives us a reason to live. A reason to live. And we are looking with eager anticipation to the coming of the second advent, the blessed hope, our Redeemer. But hope motivates us to keep going because without hope, quite honestly, we just give up. I love the humorous caricature of Charles Schultz. Do you remember what Charles was famous for writing? And he wrote the little cartoon, Peanuts. And in one of the classic vignettes, Charles Schultz drew a picture of a gal named Lucy and accompanied by Linus. And Lucy's watching TV and she turns over to Linus 
And she says, go get me a glass of water. And Linus responds, he looks surprised, he looks shocked. He said, why should I do anything for you? You never do anything for me. And Lucy looks at him and says, well, on your 75th birthday, I promise I will bake you a cake. And Linus immediately walks to the kitchen, gets her a glass of water, and he says, life is more pleasant when you have something to look forward to. (laughs) Amen. I've got a word from the Lord for you. Life will be more pleasant for you and for me if we will begin to look forward to what the promises of God has for us. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I'm closing now. The musicians and singers are coming. and Let me ask you a question. Has life thrown you a curveball? You were expecting a fastball and it curved in and it wasn't what you expected. You're having a difficult time finding the silver lining around the clouds because they're just all gray clouds. You may have difficult people and troubling circumstances that you're dealing with. Has work become a drudgery? Do you have too much month left at the end of your money? Hello? Has your health begun to decline and you're dealing with pain and despair? Friends, regardless of what you're going through, you can still rejoice. You can say, well, Pastor Marcus, you mentioned that a while ago when you suffer and how can you rejoice? Well, what can you rejoice in? Well, have any of your problems... Changed God's character? Has any of your difficulty altered God's word? No. God and His word remain the same. He is faithful. Well, why should we hold on to hope, Pastor? Why should we keep holding on to hope? Well, Scripture says, let us hold unswaveringly or tightly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He is faithful. Friend, my Redeemer is faithful. You can put your faith and confidence and hope in Jesus Christ. In Christ alone, I'm putting my faith, my confidence, my trust. Hallelujah. He is our hope. Praise God. God is faithful. Wrap your head around that and hold on to it. God is not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you. He's not brought you thus far to leave you in the lurch. He's going to see you through all the way to the end. Amen. And so as we celebrate Christmas today, I summarize it this way. Real hope, number one, is heaven sent. Number two, real hope is overflowing hope. Real hope will bring peace and joy to your life. And it will help you to endure. H-O-P-E. You may not remember much about this sermon, but you'll remember H-O-P-E. Heaven sent, overflowing, will provide you peace. And it will see you through to the end. Do you receive that today? Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, as we close this 
Sunday morning, the first Advent, first Sunday.